Welcome to the TSN MMA Show interview edition. We've got a lot of interviews to get to from this past week. We've got three fighters that are competing on this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. The first is a short-notice opponent for Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. It's the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. It was a pleasure to speak with Paul Felder. This guy's one of the best guys to interview in the sport. He's, just, he's a guy that gets it. But, I mean, I guess he's technically a media member as well at this point, uh, given that he does a lot of... I'm sure he conducts a lot of interviews behind the scenes with the different fighters in order to get to know them, uh, learn about them for his color commentary job. But uh, just an absolute pleasure speaking with Paul, who is uh, heading into this weekend's UFC Fight Night card as a, a bit of an underdog against... Rafael Dos Anjos, and I, you know, I, I lauded him off the top. I said, you know what, congratulations on doing this because it's very, you know, it, it's easy to take a short notice fight. You know, a lot of people can take short notice fights, but I find that right now in the UFC, there are a lot of fighters that really have an aversion to risking their ranking. You know, if you're ranked high, you're going to be very picky about who you face and risking that ranking. And he's putting that ranking on the line, taking a short notice fight where he's barely been training in terms of MMA. He's done some MMA training, but mostly triathlon training to take on Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, it does remind me of uh, another uh, fighter that's into triathlons that took a short notice fight named Nate Diaz. And he was able to beat Conor McGregor, the first loss that McGregor faced in the UFC. Except uh, this time around, uh, the Irish person is the challenger that is uh, coming in on short notice. Uh, But the difference is, you know, Diaz didn't want to do it at 155 pounds, which is where McGregor wanted to have the fight that he was supposed to take on, actually, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, coincidentally, in that fight. Ends up taking the fight at 170 pounds. Uh, in this situation, Felder takes on Rafael Dos Anjos, and uh, he sticks with 155 pounds and uh, is also willing to make it a five-round fight. So he's, he's really taking a massive risk by uh, facing this individual. And uh, the other two individuals on the card, one is among the youngest fighters on the UFC roster. It's Corey McKenna, 21 years old, taking on a, a fellow 21-year-old in Kay Hansen. It's uh, the youngest fight in terms of combined age in UFC history in the women's divisions. So the uh, youngest women's fight in UFC history, if you combine their age, which is around like 42 years old and uh, some odd days. So looking forward to seeing her debut. She won on Contender Series this past season. Teams that fights at uh, Team Alpha MMA, uh, which uh, formerly Team Alpha Male. I think it's called Team Alpha MMA. I always I always forget what the new name of it is. It's so so conditioned to calling it Team Alpha Male that uh, I uh, can't remember what the new name is. But I think it's Team Alpha MMA. Either way, taking on Kay Hansen, that should be a fun one. And uh, Randa Marcos, another short notice opponent, short notice gig. She's uh, taking on the current women's strawweight champion from Band- from uh, Invicta. So. She's taking that fight on short notice, and uh, that's going to be an interesting one for her as well. She just fought uh, Mackenzie Dern about a month ago, and we discussed that particular bout and what happened in that bout on this particular show. So you'll uh, you'll hear that. And uh, finally, an interview with Natan Levy, who won on the Contender Series this past week and is the third Israeli to earn a contract with the UFC. So congratulations to Natan Levy, and uh, looking forward to speaking with him. See uh, where he sees his future. He's uh, accustomed to fighting at 145 pounds. That fight was at 155 pounds. He looked very good. Is he planning on staying at 55, moving down to 45? It was uh, great to catch up with Natan Levy and discuss his future with the UFC and what he's planning on doing from here. So those are our four interviews on this edition of the TSN MMA Show interview show. So we'll start off with the main eventer from the UFC Fight Night. It's Paul Felder. He's taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. Then we'll speak with Corey McKenna, Randa Marcos, 
and then Tom Levy. Thank you for tuning in this week. And uh, the show with Joe Valtellini will have up uh, either later tonight or tomorrow. So uh, we'll have you covered in terms of breaking down this weekend's card, recapping last week's card, talking about all the big stories in terms of mixed martial arts. Here is the TSN MMA Show interview edition. We'll start it off with the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. Joining me from his Uber is the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. So, uh, Paul, first off, I've got to uh, congratulate you on taking this fight because we've been seeing a lot of this in the UFC lately. People are afraid to risk their ranking. You're, you're highly ranked in the lightweight division. You're taking a short notice, very, very dangerous fight against a former champion on short notice. So I guess the big question is why? You know... Originally, I wasn't sure what I was going to do when I saw that Makashev was out. And, you know, I talked to Brian, my manager, about it. And I was like, you know what? If they need me, they'll come to me. And maybe we can negotiate something and figure it out. I'm in shape. You know, I've been training for a triathlon and doing some MMA as well. So I'm the fittest I've been in a very long time, especially outside of, you know, a training camp. So when the opportunity like that arises is, is something that excited me, man. It got the blood flowing again. I was on the treadmill when I got the offer and it, it, it made me get that, that spark again that I've been waiting for, you know, for the reason to come back. Like what's going to make me want to come back and, and take a fight. This, I mean, RDA is an absolute legend and he's been preparing for somebody else. And now he's got to prepare for me. So we're kind of in the same situation where the, you know, the game plan strategies are, kind of just getting thrown together on, on a five-day notice so it just felt like something that I wanted to do to have a legacy for myself where there's just certain crazy shit you got to do in your life to prove that you, you know you're one of the best and I felt like this was my my calling card my chance to be like yeah uh, I'll take it and um and I feel really good especially you know we're a couple of days away from weigh-ins and I'm I feel pretty fresh and the weight is really good is it better this way? I mean, you don't have much time to think about it. You're you're in it right now. It's fight week. You're getting haircuts. Yeah. You're driving around. There's not as much time to get worried about it and get in your own head. No, and, and that's a big thing for me, right? Where I'm never, I, I'm not such a mental case that it really damages me on fight night. I mean, once I'm in the cage, I'm good. But I do kind of stress about the weight cut. I stress about the fight. I, I miss home. I miss my family. And I, I had literally none of that for this fight. If anything, it was stressful just packing my bag and, and leaving the next day. And I talked to my daughter, and I was like, all right, I'll see you Sunday. So um, with your family life, it's stabilized quite a bit. Uh, I, I saw a recent interview with you, and uh, you and uh, the mother of your child are back together, uh, and you've got a little yeah. bit more stability at home. Was that helpful for you in terms of making this decision? Oh, you have no idea. You know, we were always talking. Me and Christine were always, thank you, man. We were always in contact and it's just we were young and we got pregnant and had our child really you know out of you know we weren't planning on it we we toughed it out and we were we were dealing with it as oh what's up as uh young people and now i feel like we've matured and we've both kind of grown up and and understand what we needed to do so i'm glad that she's 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 such a big help you know she's she's making sure that ashley's doing her thing she's in school she's in kindergarten now so having her thank thank goodness for that it, it does make my life a lot more stable and easier and i'm sure it makes you a lot happier and makes it a little bit easier for you to be content with a decision like this yeah and just for this situation to go back to my house and not just uh you know have to think about it on my own you know i get to talk to somebody who cares about me and has my best interests at heart and um 
you know, obviously as well, I, I kind of took it and then I hadn't even talked to my mom, who's a big influence in my life as well. And my brothers and they were hitting me up. They found out via Instagram and Twitter before that I even had a chance to tell them that I'd accepted the fight. So it was a little crazy. Absolutely. So you mentioned the uh, previous, I guess, after your last fight that you were contemplating retirement. You were thinking about uh, making the decision for your long-term health. Obviously, you've got a, a great job with the UFC. We're going to be here this week anyways. Um, yeah. so, so what was kind of the tipping point uh, where you decided, you know what, I've, I've got to keep doing this? Um, the day I accepted the fight because I was very back and forth. And you know how it is. This is one of those sports where you can start to get a little bitter and feel like, all the hard work that you've put in uh, isn't getting noticed, you know, especially in my division. And I'm not blaming anybody. I don't blame the UFC. There's a lot of studs in this top 15 and guys that all want to be at the top. And uh, it doesn't happen that way. So I felt like I was kind of getting pushed to the side and it wasn't going to really work out. I wasn't going to get the fights that I wanted. And then when this kind of popped up, it was kind of that perfect opportunity for me to to prove that I'm willing and ready to get in there and step up. And if I go in there and I, I put on a great show or win, you know, which I plan on doing, then it really gives me an opportunity to get these big fights that I want. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll, we'll, we'll assess it as we go. I mean, it's funny. You're such a gamer because, you know, win or lose, if this ends up being your last fight, you get tons of goodwill from doing this. I mean, you're taking this fight on short notice. You've already got a great job, as I mentioned, with the UFC. It just seems like this is something you really didn't need to do. But now, you know, what kind of what would you like to parlay this into ultimately? Like, if, if you do get a great win, a statement win here against uh, Rafael dos Anjos, what are you looking to parlay that into down down the road since you have earned that goodwill? I mean, for with a win on Saturday, I I, I would like to to be able to get that opportunity at the top five. You know, um, I feel like there's some really exciting fights there for me and guys that I respect and just want to challenge myself against the Tony Ferguson's, the Poirier's, the McGregor's, even the Dan Hooker again, you know, these, these are the things, the Gaethje's, I mean, come on, man. There's so many insane main event fights right there or co-mains on pay-per-views to get me in line for a potential title shot. And if that's not going to be the case, then I've done some cool shit right before I retired and I've still got my commentary job. I'll make a good, you know, a good paycheck is my last one. And, um, like I said, I, I, I'll have no regrets because of doing things like this. Like I've tried to do everything I can to set myself apart from the rest of the pack. And, uh, at the end of the day, I have no problem being done, but, uh, not yet. I want to ask you about one thing that happened recently in your commentary job. You were calling Gerald Mearshart's fight against Kamzat Shemaev. I know Gerald and you are very close. How hard is it to commentate something like that and then to continue for the rest of the night? These guys know that I hate it, man. My teammates know that when they get booked on these fights and I'm already on the call, like I know that I'm on calls sometimes months in advance. So I can't not do jobs because my friends are on the card, which has become a problem, right? With Jared Gordon, for example, I've been lucky enough to be able to the, the one time be able to corner him, but I also had to corner him getting, um, you know, finished by a, by a, an opponent. So it, it's horrible, and it does affect me for the rest of the night because I'm concerned about how they're doing, what's going on in their head, how are they. That Mearshart one, that one was tough because it's just, you know – there's so much hype behind Shemaev, and I got to be excited about that, right? I've got to kind of give this guy his credit, but at the same time, I'm thinking, fuck, you know, like, that's my buddy, man. But Gerald's also got a fantastic sense of humor. He takes things in stride, 
and he was already making jokes the next day on Instagram and Twitter. So I knew a guy like Gerald was going to be, he's going to be all right. Yeah, Gerald is certainly one of, one of a kind in that regard. You know, he, yeah. instead of, instead of uh, getting defensive, you know, he, he calls it like it is. He, he knows how that went down. And, uh, you know, I spoke to him actually fairly recently, and he wants that one back. He, he says he'll do whatever it takes to get back into a, a place where he's going to be able to face Shemaev again. And you got to respect that. Yeah. yeah, that's how he is, man. He's a competitor. Gerald loves to fight. He's always in the gym. He's always ready to take a short-notice fight. Um, so, yeah, he, I have no doubt he's going to get right back into the win column. And, I, you know, hopefully I can get back out to Milwaukee and uh, get a, a real training camp going someday and train with these guys again. Yeah, obviously COVID-19 has uh, derailed a lot of different uh, situations. I know that a lot of the folks from Rufusport have been a little bit nomadic. Some of them have gone to Florida to train with Bilal, uh, or with Jared, rather, and uh, Bilal being one of them. And uh, it's been kind of an interesting time. Yeah, you know, uh, guys are checking out new things and doing different stuff, and it's tough. Um, you know, sometimes you just need to change things up. And I know, you know Jarrett's living down in Florida. That was the reason he stayed down there, right? There was no bad blood there. It's just convenience-wise, he's got a fiancé and uh, some doggies. <laughs> so I think it was just uh, cool. And for Bilal, Bilal likes to just experiment and train with new people, man. He's very open-minded when it comes to his training schedules and so, yeah, but for me, I'll definitely go back. Like, if I were to book a fight in, in advance, uh, you know, as a, it would normally be, I would I would go to Rufus Sport and still do my camp there. If you could Because call... Duke will be here. Duke is coming um, after he corners uh, Bellator. He'll be coming on um, Friday morning. Oh, so Duke is coming. So originally that wasn't in the plans. When, when was that decision made? I have Duke. Um, actually... Uh, Eric Nixick is also going to be in my corner because I've been working with him, and which I do often when I am in Vegas. I work with Eric Nixick. So we have a good flow, a good you know, plan together. Duke's been talking to him, myself, my manager. Uh, I'll have Danny Ige in my corner so that I have a guy that I can drill with uh, throughout the week and backstage just to move around with the body. Uh, another guy who's just hooking me up. And then, um, and then my, my manager is going to be the fourth guy in the corner. So I got three, three studs in my corner this, this week. Well, four if you count Brian. Let's not discount Brian. He just corrected us. Don't worry. <laughs> he just well, let let he, him know that I'm on his team also. That he is he is among yeah, the he, four studs. Depend you. <laughs> this is new though, because I guess Duke wasn't originally going to come, and, and and I know Dan is probably new to the corner as well. Yeah, well, we didn't know what we were going to do, right? We always knew that we were at least going to have Eric around to to be somebody that I trust and know there. But I just love. Even if I don't have a training camp with Duke, we have such a connection that once we start cracking pads backstage and moving around, man, we're going to get that violent streak in us and we're, we're going to be ready to go. So I'm so glad that we were able to figure it out and get him to fly. Where is the fight at? Bellator fight. It's in uh, Connecticut, I think. Oh, shit. So he's got to go all the way from the East Coast. But hey, we made it work. And I know Jared was planning on being in your corner, but uh, he had some uh, teammates that had COVID-19, and now he's not able to do it, or he just he doesn't want to take the risk. Yeah, so he, he, he's gotten tested, and he, I think he came back negative. But as we all know with this virus, you can be around somebody yesterday, test negative today, and then in five days, you're going to test positive for it. So he just, yeah, he was like, man, I, the last thing I want to do is come in there and compromise you guys. Well, you can relate. You were on a plane next to somebody, and then you couldn't uh, do commentary as a result uh, a couple months back. Yeah, Dean was next to Dean Thomas, and we're chatting. And luckily for, for both of us, we kept our masks on the whole time on that flight. 
And uh, but yeah, man, we were chatting, sitting next to each other, and we we're scared to death when I found out he got it. And I really thought like, oh, I'm I'm done. And then I passed like I think four tests before they let me leave. So I was pretty cleared. One, one last thing I want to ask you is uh, I want you to do um, to play matchmaker since you're doing commentary these days. If you could call any UFC fight, you can put the you can match them up together. What would your ultimate fight be that you could call? And why, why would calling it be important to you? Trying to think of fights. Uh, I mean, if the GSP and uh, Habib fight could happen, I mean, I would, that would be just historic to be on that call. Because I was a huge George St. Pierre fan growing up through the MMA, like early in my career. But one of the first people I was a huge fan of when I got into it, right? When I got back into MMA, uh, that. So if that crazy fight ever happened, that, that would be a, a fight that would just be, you know, the current one of the pound for pound best versus somebody from the past who was the pound for pound, both strong grapplers. And I know that's surprising, right? Because I'm a, I'm a striker and I'm talking about two grapplers that would be fighting each other, but that's a legendary fight right there. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some strikers that I'd love to, to call. I mean, I've gotten to call John Jones. I've gotten to call some, some megas. I've gotten to call Connors fights. I've been blessed. Well, that was a good answer uh, on short notice, just like the one that you gave to the UFC matchmakers this weekend yourself, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. I always appreciate your time, Paul, and uh, enjoy your time. Thank you, man. Nice talking to you, buddy. I'm now joined by one of the youngest fighters on the UFC roster who's taking on another one of the youngest fighters on the UFC roster. It's Corey McKenna who's taking on Kay Hansen this weekend at UFC Fight Night. Uh, Corey, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, my first question for you is, you know, this is one of those fights where you look at two young fighters and oftentimes that's the UFC trying to springboard one of the two of you. Is that the way that you see this, that this is going to be a, a chance for one of you to uh, move forward in your careers and the other one might have to you know, take a little bit of a step back? Uh, I don't think this fight's make or break for either of us, to be honest. We're both, uh, you know, like I say, both very young. We're both very early in our career. Um, and there's a lot of hype behind this fight. I think from a, from a marketability standpoint, it's more just a case of, uh, you know, it's two very similar prospects going out there to kind of, uh, and I think it's this whole uh, new wave of MMA that they're trying to uh, trying to hype up, isn't it? So I think I think that's kind of more the approach they're taking. I don't think uh, it's make or break for either of us, really. Well, I think at both of you being 21, I think you're 21. I, I think she, I don't know if she's 21 or 22, but either way, it's certainly not the end of <laughs> the end of the, the road for either of you, uh, regardless of the outcome of this fight. Um, you now have the nickname Poppins. That's what you're going with uh, going forward. Can you elaborate on what uh, the meaning of that is? Uh, so you, that's Uriah's influence. Uh, he always says I'm the very, very soft-spoken, very British, um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, he just—he's always—he's always loved the, uh, the the Mary Poppins uh, comparison. Uh, you know, he, he sees me with uh, you know play around with his kid or something, and he's like, he's like, ah, oh, Mary Poppins, and or I'm like punching someone in the face, and he's like, oh, you're popping him in the face. So yeah, he he absolutely loves it. So uh, kind of just uh, conceded and let him and let him take over my uh, my fight name. So it's got a dual meaning. It's got popping someone in the face and Mary Poppins. I like that. It's good. Well, yeah, he thinks he's, he thinks he's very uh, punny. He's always, uh, yeah, popping girls in the faces and popping their joints, he says. Well, now that he's a dad, he's rife with dad jokes, so I can appreciate that. Um, <laughs> oh, he is. So uh, when, have, have you watched the movie Mary Poppins? Like, did you grow up on that movie at all? 
Oh, I, I loved that film as a kid. Uh, my nan used to have the like the the tape of it, and uh, we would uh, I'd watch that when I go around there. So it was probably one of my favorite films growing up. To be fair, which is uh, so that's that's cool with me. So you've been in um, Sacramento for some time, training at I guess it's Team Alpha MMA now because of prospects like yourself. Uh, they've changed it from Team Alpha Male to Team Alpha MMA, which is I think getting with the times uh, in terms of MMA. Uh, when when you uh, live in Sacramento, are you missing your family at home? I know you are you are 21 years of age. I'm sure that you have a close relationship with your family. Uh, has it been difficult this year being away from them? Um, I've been coming out here consistently for like three months on, three months off for the last three, four years. So for me, it's kind of a bit, it's kind of normal. Um, I travel a lot back home as well. So I don't actually really see my parents too much. Uh, we talk every single day on the phone. Like we are, like I say, we're very, we're very close and they're very supportive. But at the same time, they're very, like I say, in being so supportive, um, they obviously encourage me to, you know, to broaden my horizons and to uh, to branch out. So I just talk to them every single day on on the. Uh, I've got WhatsApp. You know, we we phone each other, we text each other. Uh, so for me, it's it's not really too different from day to day life. Um, it's it's tough to miss someone when you're talking to them every day. You know. So uh, yeah, they're, they're super close, super supportive. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not too bad being away. You mentioned broadening your horizons. Uh, if I were to come up with the opposite of the United Kingdom, Sacramento might be one of the first places that comes to mind. How have you adjusted to life in Sacramento? Uh, again, I live one of those lifestyles where it's not too different, regardless of where I am. Like I'm, I'm uh, I think the last three months I've been in the gym from eight a.m. till nine p.m. every single day. So I'm not really a uh, lifestyle wise there's been no change for me um you know obviously I'm, I'm working with the best team in the world um you know I've got the best coaches best teammates so uh just just kind of really really grateful for the opportunity and uh for the you know for, for my situation at the moment do you take off days like if you have a day off to yourself what do you do in Sacramento uh depends who's asking if my coach is asking yes I definitely have a rest day um <laughs> No, uh, yeah, so Sundays tend to be a bit more chilled. Like, I'll just uh, I'll go for, like, a run or something, like, just uh, active recovery. Uh, but there's a nice, like, river trail. Uh, I like I like running along that. And then, um, you know, a couple of times I went and sat over one of the one of the parks and just kind of did some painting and stuff. So it, it's actually a lovely area, like, as much as there's a few areas that are quite built up and everything. There's some really nice parks around there. And, like, obviously you've got the rivers very accessible. Um, so, yeah, just... Down, downtime and uh, chill time is literally for me is just kind of enjoying the area, grabbing a coffee and uh, you know just chilling. Where do you find this kind of unflappable motivation? It seems like you're very driven. You mentioned you're in the gym for 13 hours a day every day, uh, aside from on those rest days. Uh, where, where do you get that kind of drive from? Is this is that something that was just instilled in you growing up, or is it something that when you when you find something that you're really into, you kind of cling on to that and put everything into it? Yeah, I've always kind of been a all or nothing kind of person. Like, um, you know, growing up, I was really big on like the school front and like, uh, you know, I wanted to like pursue science and stuff like that. So like I was like constantly hitting the books, always like really into that. And then once I found martial arts, I was like, I was again, I was in the gym seven days a week. I was 100% like all in on that. Um, so just I think that's kind of who I am. I'd, I'd say naturally, but also my parents are the same. So I'm going to assume, uh, you know, you've got the argue of nature or nurture. And I think they probably had a very big influence on that. You know, my, like my dad said uh, when I left school, he was like, right, if you're going to if you're going to do it, like do it properly. You know, so uh, he was actually one of the, one of the main people that encouraged me into training full time and uh, really pursuing this. He was like, well, 
you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go, go. So um yeah, I think I think it's probably got a lot to do with my parents, but also who I am like as as a as a person, you know, I never wanna leave any stone unturned. I wanna make sure I'm always always doing my best and trying my hardest. What do your parents do, if you don't mind me asking? Uh some both my parents were in the military uh, to begin with. Um, so again, with the leaving home thing, obviously my mum moved out at 16. I think my dad was 16, 17. So uh, I've, uh, if anything, I've overstayed my welcome. Um, but uh, no, they, they, so yeah, my dad was in the military for 22 years, I want to say. He's, he's now retired. Uh, he can't work because he's, um, he's got like a broken back and a spinal cord disease. So he's pretty much, uh, he's unable to, uh, to, really, to really do anything. Um, and then, uh, my, my mom's currently working in a, in a care home, actually. Uh, you know, she's, she's went down a few different routes and, uh, she's, she's currently working in a care home. Um, so yeah, nothing too, too crazy. I'm sorry to hear that about your father. Does it impact his quality of life on a day-to-day basis? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't really, you can't really do anything. Um, especially during COVID, he's kind of like stuck in the house. So, uh, yeah, it's obviously not, not great. Um. But he makes, he's a stubborn man. He, he makes the best of what he's got and, uh, you know, he keeps on trucking on. So, uh, yeah. Well, you did kind of bury the lead when I asked you where you got that drive and motivation from. You're from a military family, so I'm sure that your life had a lot of routine to it when you were growing up. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's not like your stereotypical, like, uh, you, know, you see in the movies. I've not got, like, a drill sergeant father that wakes me up and makes me do, like, push-ups or whatever. But, uh, you know, he did very much instill, like, a lot of, like, say, organization preparation um you know committing to what you do and everything so uh yeah he's probably been one of my biggest influences in my life to be fair i've always heard that one of the signatures of being a child of someone in the military is that you make your bed do you make your bed on a daily basis i do but that's nothing to do with the military my 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 mom's a bloody uh neat freak (laughs) um but uh yeah no it's uh my, my dad's one of those like if you're not five minutes early you're late so uh suppose uh, a little bit of punctuality from him it's probably why i'm in the gym so early i'm not sure i could tell you the, the last time i made a bed like I, I i think there are just there are two types of people there are people that like make their bed every day and the, there are people that just don't and i'm one of the, I've, i'm in the latter group and you're in the, the the further group i guess i'm uh i mean i'm in between um <laughs> i mean I've, I've just moved out of home i'm uh, living on a couch bed so uh there's there's not too much to make but uh yeah so it's I try, I try to. I try to try to keep uh, keep myself organized. You're just worried your parents are going to watch this and they're going to see that you're admitting to not making your bed every day, and they're going to they're going to call hey, well, like they're going to the daily phone call is not going to be a pleasant <laughs> one. Well, your eyes already called me out on. Uh, I did a podcast with him the other day, and he was like, she, "She was nearly late to the gym the other day," and I'm just there like, "Come on, why you got to do me like this?" Uh, yeah. So um, now nah, they they're not like overly strict or anything. They're they're just really supportive and uh you know, I'm I'm very fortunate with my situation. I know a lot of people aren't as lucky as I am to to have the support I do. So uh yeah, obviously very grateful for them. So what can you tell me about Kay Hansen, your opponent? Very technical. Um, you know, she's she's not as I think well, she's very much like me. We're both very stubborn, not afraid to throw down if need be. Um, I think we're both gonna go out there and do everything uh within our abilities to kind of get a finish, get a, get a good performance, get that win. Um, I think stylistically it matches up really well. I think it's a good opportunity for me to put on a skillful performance and show everyone uh, the technical gains that I've made as opposed to, you know, just going out there and having a having a war. So um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a really fun fight um, for, for everyone, really. 
All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. MMA trivia. Name the fighter this past weekend who made his MMA professional MMA debut before you were born. Oh, um, the man Anderson Silva. No, this past weekend. Right? This past weekend. Well, Anderson Silva oh, did, so you are okay. right. But this past weekend, there's another one. I get hit. Uh, oh, gosh. I don't even remember what day of the week it is. Okay. Uh, what card was last week? You had you Glover, did put me Glover on the versus Tiago Santos was the main event. Right. Uh, yeah, I did actually watch that. I was... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. You should have warned me. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I don't know. Honestly. I've been so focused on this fight. I think, like, I've watched obviously my teammates' fights and I've watched the fights and stuff. I'm so focused on my training in this fight. I've everything's gone completely yeah, Andre Arlovsky is the answer Andre former UFC heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky I also noted uh, on, on social media that Anderson Silva has three kids that are older than both you and your opponent which is very strange yeah so I did uh, I did um, the let's say I thought that was last weekend so that, that just shows where my head's at um, yeah I did did that podcast with Uriah and, they, and uh, the girl turned around and she was like oh you know what year was you born and I was like oh 99 and she was like yeah Silva's been fighting since 98 <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, had, he's had a few, he's had a few, is he? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's a total, absolute legend of the sport. Um, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people that didn't watch the early part of his UFC career don't really understand what it was like to watch Anderson Silva in his prime when he was walking out to the cage, like how much of an event that was. I think that's kind of lost on people yeah. because there are a lot of newer fans of the sport. Yes, exactly. I actually, um, I saw him fight, I think it was in Manchester, uh, my first, uh, the first UFC card I went to. Uh, that was the Michael Bisping cool. fight. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. I mean, when uh, when Anderson dropped Bisping at the I end of that round, I thought it was over. No, I don't. I don't think it was that fight actually. I can't remember. Who else would Anderson have fought I, in Manchester? I wonder which which fight that was. I don't know. I can't remember all this stuff. I'm, there are a lot of people that can remember every single card that took place. I'm not one of those people, but uh, I do appreciate your time, Corey. Uh, best of luck this weekend. It's Corey Poppins McKenna. You're going to have to get used to that as that is your new nickname uh, as bestowed upon you from another man who makes some great in, uh, made some great intros in his day walking out to uh, California Love, Uriah Faber. Yep. Uh, thank you for having me. Randa Marcos is back taking a short-notice fight this coming weekend. So, Randa, let me rip off the Band-Aid first. What happened in that last fight? Uh, during media week, you kept saying, I'm not going to grapple with her. I'm not going to grapple with her. And then right off the bat. Yeah, you know, like, I was prepared in my mind, you know, I'm not going to grapple, not going to grapple. And uh, when I threw that overhand right, it landed clean. And, uh, and then she started, like, throwing her hands weird. So I thought maybe it rocked her. And then when she threw the kick and she uh, fell to the ground, I thought maybe she's rocked, you know? And I, so I, for a split second, I was like, get on top of her, get on top of her. And then as I was getting on top of her, I was like, no, 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 she's not rocked, get off of her. And then she grabbed my ankle and it was like one bad move to another. And then I ended up on the ground and I'm like, like shit, like I got to get out of this situation. I got to get up, get up, get up. And uh, yeah, just took it to her world. And, you know, she did what I expected her to do. Yeah, so it was, it was just instinct then, I guess. Like, you know, you've been in so many of these that sometimes you have to trust your instincts and every now and then they'll fail you. Yeah, yeah, it was clean, like, instinct. And, uh, yeah, I was really upset with myself. And we've been working on um, not reacting so quickly and, like, not uh, taking a second to see this. But it was just such a weird situation that, you know, I really thought that she was hurt. But, I don't know, I guess it, it, it's meant to be, you know. 
Yeah, but it's hard though. It's hard to kind of take a beat at that time when you think you might have your opponent hurt and you're in a position to win a, a crucial fight in your career, right? So, I mean, it's hard to uh, to fault you for that, of course. But uh, I was just curious because uh, all week I, I heard you say, you know, don't grapple with her, and it seemed like yeah. right away it happened. Yeah, it was just a, I don't know, it was it was a weird situation. If I had gone back, I don't know if I would have done anything differently, you know, because I really thought she was hurt, but. You know, I learned from my mistakes. I'm, I went right back to the gym, worked on everything, and um, hopefully I'm ready for this one. Were you worried that you were going to get cut after that loss? It's the only time you've lost two fights in a row in your pro career. Um, how, how worried were you coming home from that particular fight? No, I don't. I was never worried that I uh, was going to get cut. I got a new contract right before that fight. So, um, you know, I wasn't worried. I was just, like, upset with myself more than anything. So now you have a, a new opponent. Two weeks' notice. Uh, it was announced about a week ago as the Invicta Strawweight Champion of the World. Tell me what you know about her. Um, she's a wrestler. She's a world-class wrestler. You know, um, I'm really excited. You know, to to go in there with a wrestler. Uh, I haven't re- I, like I, I used to wrestle back in the day. Um, when, that's how I started out in MMA. And um, it's cool to face a, a, a really good wrestler. So um, I'm expecting her to take the fight to the ground where she wants it and try and keep it there. Yeah, so this is one of those situations where it's the opposite of last time where, uh, you know, the grappling isn't quite as uh, as worrisome. And it's kind of your world. I mean, wrestling is kind of how you got to where you are right now in the UFC. Yeah, um, th- that is a huge difference in the camp this time. So last camp, it was like the moment she takes it to the ground, we want to get up, get up, get up. So this time I can use like my jujitsu and I can use my striking. And, and if she does take it to the ground, I know how to react. And so, um, you know, it's a... We'll see how it goes. Like, we'll see if I'm ready for it. But um, I'm really excited about fighting a wrestler. And uh, I'm really excited to see what she has to bring. What did you know about her when they called you with the fight offer? Were you familiar with her? I didn't know anything. I've been asking for a fight. And when they gave me this fight, I was just like, yep. And then after I said yes, I looked into it and, uh, you know, talked to my wrestling coach. And he's like, she's a really good wrestler. <laughs> like, Good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm excited to test myself. No matter where it is, you know, I fought a uh, best jujitsu grappler, and I fought, I fought a lot of different girls, a lot of great girls. You know, I'm, I'm not shy. You know, when it comes to <laughs> fights, or I'm not scared of anybody. I, I'm excited to challenge myself. You fought Carla Esparza as well. I think Carla is probably the second best wrestler in your entire division. Yes, I agree. And uh, yeah, I fought her and I was able to handle myself really well in that fight. And uh, I think, you know, it, there's nothing that I haven't seen yet. So I'm excited. So um, when what kind of preparation can you put into a fight like this when you have so little time, um, you know, between accepting the fight and the fight itself? So after the last fight, I got back to the gym and I just started like working really hard on just getting better everywhere, you know, like getting better at my striking, getting it better at my jujitsu, getting better, just, just like sharpening everything. And so when I got the call for a fight, I was, you know, I, I just continued doing that. And, um, you know, and I, I feel like the biggest thing for me is just, uh, realizing that I've been here for a long time. I've fought all of the toughest chicks you could, you know, that we, we have in our division and there's nothing new that can be thrown at me. I just need to be confident and, and understand that, like, I've been here forever. I know I have the experience. There's no one out there that has, you know, the ex- more experience than me in our division. I mean, there may be one or two girls, but, you know, I just need to be confident, go in there and, and do my thing. 
I know nobody likes losing. It's never fun to lose. But this is the first time, as I mentioned, you've lost two in a row. Your career had been like win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. I don't know if there's a sense of relief in the fact that you've lost two in a row because it kind of breaks a pattern. And sometimes patterns like that can get into your head. Yeah, and is it like uh, in a way I think about it, but then I'm like, you know what? Um, uh, if I don't do well, I don't deserve to be here. To be honest, like I just like I need I I'm doing everything I can. Uh, you know, girls are getting better. Girls are you know, there's lots of new girls coming into the division, and um, I just need to give it everything. Believe in myself when I get in there, and whatever happens, happens. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not thinking about you know, oh, I got two losses in a row. This you know, I, I'm not thinking about anything like that. I just want to be free and like just let my hands go and and just be myself yeah you mentioned a lot of girls coming into the division there's two 21 year olds facing each other on this card in your division uh i, I mentioned on uh, social media a couple weeks ago that anderson silva has three kids that are older than both of them which is mind-blowing <laughs> but uh yeah the, the division seems to be adding a lot of talent lately yeah and you know our talent keeps growing but you know the main girls i feel like the top 10 girls are, are still the same girls that have been around for a while and and it shows you that like you know, uh, we're evolving, but the tough chicks are still around. And you've been able to hang with a lot of them, like you mentioned, a lot of the top 10 of the division, uh, even getting wins over some of them. So, you know, does that motivate you to keep working harder and harder because you know you need to keep up with that top 10? Yeah, you know, I know what my issue is, and I'm really trying to overcome my issue. It's in my head. You know, I like, just like uh, I, I pressure, put too much pressure on myself. I overthink everything. And with this fight, I really just want to be free and just go out there and hurt somebody. You know, that's just my main goal is just to go out there and hurt someone and just let it all go and, and stop uh, putting so much pressure on myself. And we've talked about this uh, in the past. You've been working with a sports psychologist on this very thing. Have you been able to have that feeling in the cage yet where you feel free and you feel like you're not getting in your own way i have a few times <laughs> you know like when i fly angela hill it was just like pure like i want to beat this girl I mean, and a lot of it has to do with like me being distracted and somehow like with being so I, I did not like her at all and like where i was able to just focus on like i don't know be more clear and like i'm taking you down i'm 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 submitting you and uh, I want to get there, and I've been really trying to get myself there all the time. It's hard. It's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what's your best path for this particular fight? I mean, if she's a world-class wrestler, are you still going to try to take her down, implement what your game plan's always been? You know, if it goes down, I'm not worried about it. I've been, I've been a wrestler. I've been there. I still wrestle with a, a lot of uh, wrestlers, and, you know, I... It's nothing new to me, and I need. To, I'm just, you know, going in there with the mindset of I've seen this before. I know what to do. I know how to react, and um, yeah, and just be myself and do what I know what to do. Have you been watching her previous fights? I don't know how. Uh, you know, a lot of people just leave it to their coaches to watch tape and break it down, but you know, a, a lot of fighters will also do that. What, what camp of do you fall into when it comes to actually watching tape of your opponent? Um. So I used to never, ever watch my opponents. And then I got into watching it and I'm overthinking it. With this fight, they offered me the opponent. I sent the name to my coaches. I told them, can you look her up? Just let me know what I need to look look out for. So I'm really trusting my coaches in this one where I hadn't in the past. in the Because I've been to so many different gyms that I wasn't able to, like, under, know if they if they understand me or not, you know, and, and I think we're at this point, I've been with them for a little while now, I'm at this point where I can trust them, so I didn't want to overthink it, I gave them the name, they checked her out, and they let me know what to do, and that's, and I've just been focusing on me and what I can do to win this fight.
why has it been so difficult for you to find a camp to just stick to? Um, whenever I, I do something wrong or like, you know, um, and it's because of my technique, I like to, to fix it. And so I've been changing to figure out what's the right fit for me. And it was hard for me to find the right fit with the, with where I'm at right now. I feel like it's a pretty good fit. And, um, it's more of like my, my inner demons that are, that are, um, affecting me, right. But because they, they train me really well, we work hard They make sure that I get a hard workout in before I leave. And uh, they don't sugarcoat it. You know, that's a big thing. You you go to a lot of these gyms and everybody wants to, uh, you know, fill your brain with like to try to keep you around. Oh, you're great. Oh, you're this or you're that. It's like, no, I know I, I messed up. Like, tell me that I messed up and let me, tell me so we can fix it. You know, so it's hard to find sometimes like the, the right fit. So you need the tough love in the gym. You know, there are some people that like being the big fish in the small pond. Uh, and, you know, like you mentioned, you're the UFC fighter there and they want to keep you there because it's good for their gym's yeah. uh, name recognition. But you need somebody who's going to tell you every little thing and micromanage your different techniques and, and all of that. Yeah, I like to be told, like, you're shit. That was shit practice today. <laughs> like, tomorrow you need to come in and fix that. You know, I don't like that. Oh, you did all right. You did all right. I don't like that. It's just it just messes with your brain and it, and it makes you it's a, it gives you a false sense of security you know, moving forward and you're never going to get better that way. And have you still been working with a sports psychologist? Uh, I don't know if it's been virtually or anything along those lines. Um, I, lately I haven't just because like, uh, I'm, I'm more like doing my own research and stuff and just trying to figure out like my sports psychologist told me all the things that I need to do. It's just, I need to do it. So that's what I've been really focusing on is, is, uh, fixing those skills by, by doing the repeated, like, um, enforcements of like, um, the habits, you know, breaking the bad habits, building new habits. So I've been really trying to work on that every day. Do you know on fight day, like going into an actual event, like do you, do you say to yourself, man, this is going to suck tonight. Like I just, I'm not, I'm not there. And I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do to be able to click in. I, I have been there. I, I, you know, uh, when I fought, fought, um, uh, in Brazil, the last time I fought in Brazil, I was there. I was like, no, something's wrong, something's wrong, you know, and, and uh, it showed my performance, it sucked, but I w I'm not going to back out of a fight, I'm going to go in there and give it everything I have, so um, it happens sometimes, you know, we're human, and um, it's a fight, and you never know what's going to happen on fight days, it all depends on how you feel that day. Do you almost fear yourself more than you fear your opponent? Like, do you fear what you're going to tell yourself rather than, like, actually seeing an intimidating fighter across the cage from you? Yeah, for me, it's a big challenge against me against myself. Uh, most of the time, it's always like, uh, like shut up, shut up, like telling myself to shut up and just do it, you know. And like constantly, and it's like, am I gonna do it today? Am I not gonna do it? It's just like, um, I don't know. It's it's been a battle. I feel like you should dye your hair a different color on fight day, and just like <laughs> now you're a new random Marcos for just this day, and and you can't argue with yourself anymore because you're like yeah. you're a different person. I thought about, you know, I wonder if I could get drunk. I, I Obviously, you're not allowed to do any of that stuff, but like, just get myself completely off and just go in there. <laughs> so you've thought about this in the past? This is something that you, you think about sometimes at night? You're like, well, what if I just was inebriated and I went into a fight and I, I wouldn't have to worry about that kind of mental stuff because I'm just going off of whatever my impulses say to do. Yeah, I actually do think about that a lot more than I should. <laughs> Well, like you said, it's probably not the best idea, but you never know. No. I, I was—I uh, had heard stories about Melvin Manhoff who fought in Bellator, 
uh, I think it was just last weekend, uh, or last week, a week ago today, actually, or tomorrow. My days are all messed up due to this, uh, you know, 2020 being a, a total circus. But uh, I had heard that he, like, would party well into the night and they'd wake up in the morning to fight and he'd just go out there and, and he'd just wreck his opponents. I mean, we've seen what Mel Melvin Manhoff's been capable of doing all, over the years in both kickboxing and MMA. Yeah, it'd be, it would be really interesting to see how I would react. <laughs> but, yeah, I do think about that. Are you allowed to do that, though? Like, I, I feel like, do they test, like, in competition for alcohol? I don't know if it's for alcohol, probably, because it would affect your um, performance. So probably, but I, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> I don't think I should. I don't want to find out. We, we were onto something here. We almost had this brilliant <laughs> idea, this brainstorming session it, of what we could do. <laughs> get wasted and get in there. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not the best idea. You're right yeah. on that one. Um, I think Emily, was Emily Whitmire on your season of uh, The Ultimate Fighter? No, she wasn't. Okay, yeah. I remember she was on Tough, and her story of, like, the first time she fought, she was, like, at a bar, and they were just having fights, and she, like, volunteered to fight somebody. So, yeah, probably not the best idea. <laughs> it might bring out the best in you, you know? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, it's this weekend. Uh, you return to the cage after about a month away. Uh, we wish you all the best. Stay out of your own way, Randa Marcos. You can do this, yeah. and uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I'm now joined by Natan Levy, who is now the third Israeli to be signed to the UFC after a great performance at the UFC Contender Series. But your future is going to be at 145, is that right? Thank you for having me. Um, no, I think my future right now is at 155. Felt uh, really great in that fight, and uh, I think I'll stay uh, around that weight. Did you previously fight at featherweight, or am I, am I was something lost in translation with me? No, no correct. I did uh, all my fights at uh, 145 except uh, one amateur fight at 170 and it was because the my opponent left the locker room so <laughs> they just put some coach in front of me some uh, some guy uh who happened to be uh, not very good but that's about it all my fights are at 45 i just um felt really good like my coaches have been pushing me to go up to 45 to 55 and in my last uh, fight in lfa i got uh, knocked down three, four times in the second round. And um, I don't think it should have happened. Like my defense was lacking a little bit. I did get caught, but I also got caught in this weight and it wasn't anywhere near as uh, rattling for my brain. So I'm feeling pretty good. So, and I felt very strong. So your reason is because with the weight cut, you worry that your chin is probably not going to be as good as you're more prone to getting knocked down at the lighter weight. And you felt, uh, you felt more healthy at this weight. So how much weight did you cut to make 45? I used to cut, um, you know, I used to diet for like a couple months. So get down from 75 to 55 and cut the rest, probably. We've seen a lot of the smaller 155-pound fighters have success. We've seen, I mean, Frankie Edgar was very small for 55. Sean Shirk, very small for 55. So is that what you model yourself after, is kind of the smaller, faster breed of uh, lightweights? Frankie uh, Edgar is uh, one in a generation, but uh, I also think I am taller than him and more more uh, fitting to the division. How tall are you? Five seven, five eight, five nine. I think I looked small because my opponent was huge. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's what it was. Because I mean, you looked big. Like you looked like you were uh, you you know you were filled out for fifty five. But yeah, your opponent. How tall was your opponent? Six feet tall. Six. Two, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's huge for a lightweight. So uh, that makes a lot more sense now. 
<laughs> yeah, and and when my coaches were trying to, you know, talk to me about going up to 55, like it's not like I'm trying to get like some uh, advantage fighting smaller people. I'm just I don't want to fight bigger people with a bigger frame who cut weight from 190 pounds. And they were like, uh, they were telling me like, no, nobody's like that much bigger than you. And boom, first fight I take, <laughs> the guy is huge. But uh, I knew it's not going to matter. Well, it didn't in that fight, that's for sure. You looked fantastic, yeah. especially on short notice. I mean, you were already in camp for LFA, but uh, it just it went to show that uh, on a short notice, you're still able to uh, live up to the moment. Thank you. So I read that you uh, decided to um, sign with the UFC rather than get a contract with Bellator. You, they had been offered, uh, offered you a contract. Why did you decide to go with the UFC rather than uh, take a deal with Bellator who have a good presence in Israel? Uh, yeah, I was offered uh, a few fights in Bellator. I just, um, you know, I think it's taken a different route. Like, I think fighting for LFA, which is a level under the UFC, you're climbing your way to the UFC. The moment you go with Bellator, I feel like you're taking kind of a different branch. Could lead you one day to the UFC, but probably won't. So... Uh, even though it's very prestigious to fight for a Bellator, it just wasn't uh, in the cards for me. Was giving Israel a presence in the UFC part of the reason for wanting to join? As I mentioned off the top, there's only been, I guess you're now the third Israeli to join the uh, UFC. Uh, yes. You know, I always, uh, I'm very proud to be Israeli and I want to represent uh, well. But also I never wanted to be like a, a good fighter for an Israeli. You know, I didn't want to like get something because I'm Israeli. I just wanted to be a good fighter that so happens to be from there because we're a very small country and that means we have a very small amount of athletes and was way less likely of getting to the NBA, the UFC. So when somebody does, it's a very big deal. And when I walk around Vegas and the gyms, I know always in the UFC, he's in the UFC. But in Israel, nobody, like anybody who tells you he's going to be in the UFC is usually crazy, and I just happen to be one of those guys. I think there's been more NBA players from Israel than there have been uh, UFC fighters. Yeah, I think uh, about the same, I think, yeah. So um, your wife is with you. She, she came over from Israel. How are you enjoying Las Vegas and that experience? Um, you know, I came to Vegas to be like, it's the sin city, but I came here to be a kind of a monk. <laughs> All I do is train and uh, go home and spend time with my wife. And we don't do anything crazy. We, if we go somewhere, it's to the movies or to a restaurant. Uh, we don't go out partying. Um, so, you know, life is pretty relaxed. It's pretty chill. And, um, and I, I like the quality of life here. But uh, I am missing home, of course, and my family and friends. And the weather is probably pretty familiar to you as well. Uh, yes, yeah. Also, it gets a little hotter in the summer and a little colder in the winter, but pretty much the same. I'm in Canada. I went to Israel about 15 years ago, and it was snowing there. And the, the tour guide who's from Israel said, this is the first time I've ever seen it snow. And, and we came from Canada for the good weather, and it, it was snowing in Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, it snows in Jerusalem every, every few years it happens. <laughs> actually, I think it might have actually been snowing in Tel Aviv. It was snowing where like, the tour guide had never seen it snow before. It was very, uh, very odd. Yeah, possibly. I think, you know, I think uh, 15 years ago or something, it did snow in Tel Aviv. Well, we're Canadian. We went into the Dead Sea. It was like 10 degrees outside and we went to the Dead Sea anyways. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, I think going to the Dead Sea, it's kind of like feeling like you cut weight, like the salt just sucks the life out of you. And after some time, like it's fun, but after some time, you're like, you got to call it quits at some time. <laughs> yeah, it's like those, uh, do you use the sensory deprivation tanks while you're, uh, you've been training? I haven't, but I imagine it's pretty uh, similar. Like uh, people tell me you sit on the water and you're floating. I'm like, oh yeah, just like the Dead Sea. Except the difference is you're in a, you're in like what what feels like a casket, and you're just yeah. you're just alone with your thoughts. I would actually recommend it to every fighter. I think that it, it's really good for you to help visualize um, your upcoming bout or, and and really work yeah. through all of anything that's going through your head with with no distractions. I definitely want to try it. So what's next for you? Are you looking to get right back in, in there? Since you're in Las Vegas, they're always looking for short notice fighters. Or are you looking perhaps to go home to Israel, take a couple months to yourself? Uh, if the UFC told me right now they want to book me for, um, you know, a little later, like beginning of uh, 2021, I'd probably try to go uh, to Israel to visit my family. I haven't seen them in over a year and a half. So uh, even though with COVID complications and I'd have to quarantine for a little bit, like I would do that. But um, right now I'm, I want to get my leg checked out. It hurts a little bit and uh, hopefully it's fine. I'll be back in the in the gym in a, in a week or so, and then uh, I'll be on weight. I'll be training. I always train three times a day. Uh, there's no such thing as camp for me. Camp is the only thing is instead of just expanding my skill overall, I'm expanding my skills in specific things I need for the upcoming fight. But I'm always in shape, and if I start fighting at 55, I'm always ready to make weight. So I'd love to... Uh, you know, um, help out, uh, recover another fight uh, from a COVID victim. Tell me about your family uh, in Israel. What do they think of you uh, achieving this goal and uh, pursuing this goal to begin with? Uh, you know, when I was 16, after doing uh, karate for only about a year, a year and a half, I told my mom, uh, hey, mom, listen, I'm going to fly to Japan to train uh, under the master over there uh, for a month during the summer. She was like, sure you will. <laughs> and uh, a few days later, I show up with like the, the plane ticket and she couldn't <laughs> say no anymore because I had already, she had already said yes. Um, it's kind of been like that, you know, I always do what, uh, what I think is right. And even if it's crazy, I. I just go out and do it, and my family has learned to uh, support it and believe in me, and they know that when I say I'm going to do something, even as crazy as I'm leaving Israel and I'm flying to the U.S. to become a UFC fighter, I'm probably going to do it. And do you have any brothers and sisters? I have uh, two older brothers who uh, toughened me up a lot uh, growing up. Well, uh, it's been uh, it's been great watching you uh, on this journey. It's uh, fantastic to see that you were able to get a contract in the UFC. Uh, when, when Dana White was giving out the contracts, how confident were you that you were going to be one of the people to get one? 100%. Ah, there you go. I like that. I like to hear that. Because, you know, it was a, there, were, there was good competition on the show. I think that the uh, the first fighter, I think he would, could win a lot of fights in the UFC. It's just he didn't fight in the way that you would for this format. Like in the Contender Series, I think there have been a lot of fighters that the UFC have not signed that are great fighters, but they just don't go for finishes and they, they win conservative fights. You were looking for the finish the whole time. Uh, yeah, you know, I think you need to know uh, what, what game you're playing. And if you're coming to Contenders, outclassing somebody is not enough. You got to go for the finish. 
And uh, even me, you know, a lot of times uh, I got a lot of finishes, but uh, I'm usually not going to go crazy and risk like, uh, you know, losing the fight or I'm not going to do something stupid to get the finish. I'm going to get the finish when I know I can get the finish. But uh, when you come on contenders, you know, you got to lay it all out and it's a uh, kill or be killed. And that's what I did. And, you know, I actually, I felt uh, good. Of course, I'm never going to fight like uh, just stand and bang. It's not me, but uh, I feel like throwing caution to the wind a little bit and just uh, coming there free with all my tools. I felt like it was my best performance so far. The submission that you pulled off was a very difficult one to pull off. Is that one that you train? Uh, because it was kind of modified in the way that it's normally completed, and you were able to pull it off uh, even though you hadn't really gotten full position at that point. Uh, yeah, you know, it's the Syndicate Special, uh, a la John Wood. Uh, it's uh, at an arm choke from half guard. It's just some different details. But uh, I think during the fight, a few times he had his arm in this position, and I thought about going for it, but it, it wasn't cooked enough yet. Like, the only game plan I had for this fight, if, if it goes to the ground, don't go crazy with the ground pound because he's very slick with his guard. Don't stay in his guard and uh, put the pressure on him, cook him for the whole first round, second round, third round, get him out of there. And um, that's what I did. And like first round, we got there a couple of times, but I knew it's not time yet, just wait. And then third round when I, I knew like I broke him, I knew it was going to be easy. Uh, took him down, swept him, got the position. I knew he was going to just keep his arm there because I haven't done anything with it yet. And then I went for it. Did you have anything to uh, say with, to Dana White afterwards? Did you guys have a chance to speak? Um, not too much. I told him, thank you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm grateful. And uh, I can't wait to fight in the UFC. He was saying that a lot of the, uh, the lawyers and the managers uh, at, uh, I guess it's Endeavor, were very excited to have an Israeli fighter in the UFC, and they were kind of pushing him to sign you. So it looked like the Jewish community had your back on that one. Yeah, and uh, I'm happy they did. I think I did uh, more than enough to get signed without a push from the outside, but it's always, uh, you know, it's always great to get support and uh, from uh, your tribe members and... Uh, and uh, that's great, and I'm very thankful. Well, as a fellow tribe member, I say Mazel Tov. Congratulations on the, uh, the contract, and we look forward to seeing your next bout in the UFC. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. A huge thank you to our guests, Paul Felder, Corey McKenna, Randa Marcos, and Natan Levy. Appreciate their time on the TSN MMA Show interview edition. And that'll wrap it up for this week. We'll be back next week with more interviews as we lead into UFC 255 with two title fights, the men's flyway title and the women's flyway title both on the line. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.